I'll tell you the best thing for sales is trying to repel the people you don't want to sell to, you know, like really pre, get people pre-qualified. The biggest thing I do is I try to tell people exactly who's a perfect fit, you know, like who is it, you know, who, who's it right for? Who's it not right for? Who's not ready? Who is ready? Are you a consulting business owner seeking a better way to scale to your next million in revenue? Accelerate Sales Podcast features other experts who have cracked the code to predictable revenues with proven sales systems that quickly increase revenue and get you on the fast track back to doing what you do best. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, Welcome, and if you love the show, please subscribe. And if you're a regular, love your support and are always open to a review. Uh, an iTunes review would be fantastic. So what are you going to learn from listening to this podcast? The first thing is why repelling people is great for sales. The second is the benefits of podcasting, particularly if you do a lot of live events or used to do a lot of live events. There's a great way of doing podcasting that's going to bring you heaps of value. And the third thing is a great way of thinking about an ROI, return on investment model, that's going to make sales a lot easier for you. So today's guest was a financial planner. Now, as he says on his website, he's the anti-financial planner, but he really helps people generate multiple passive Incomes, And that's really important if you run your own business because you running your own business is one of the, the riskiest things you can do. So he helps you and he talks a little bit about that. So what we're going to do now is hand you over to Chris Miles from Money Ripples. Welcome, Chris Miles from Money Ripples to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. Great to have you here, Chris. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it, Paul. Yes, yeah, so I know it's been a while since we spoke, but I really enjoyed the conversation. I can't wait for you to share a lot of your wisdom here today. But why don't we start off with, um, you know, who are the clients that you love to work with most? You know, the clients I love to work with are ones that actually want to be worked with. <laughs> to put it simply, right? I mean, those that actually are open. Um, I actually don't like people that have e egos. Um, in fact, I'd rather refer them to my competition, right? It's like, hey, I know the perfect person for you. Go talk to these guys, right? Uh, but I love people that don't have egos. Uh, I usually work with people that are generally making at least multiple six figures a year, you know, and they're, they're at the point where they say, hey, I want to end. Like, I want to work because I want to, not because I have to. How do I get these multiple streams of income, you know, coming in, that kind of thing, right? Especially passive income is my focus. So those are always my best clients, the ones that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm open, I'm willing to take a chance. You know, I don't want to take high risks, which is I don't either. Like I'm actually less risky than people in the financial world typically are. Um, but I like to get better returns than those people too. So it's like low risk, high returns. And if people are open to that and they're open to having a life where they can actually live today, not tomorrow, that's exactly what I'm looking to do. Yeah, I know I said in the the introduction that you're, you know, the anti-financial advisors. Mm -hmm. so, uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So every financial advisor you meet out there pretty much can be summed up in, in, you know, a few, few, few words, right? I mean, they're all pretty much trying to sell you some sort of mutual fund stock based or bond based investments, right? That's, that's all they really offer. Or they might offer insurances with that too, but they're really just, they're, I call them the Mexican food of money, right? Because, you know, Mexican food, when you start to look at it, it's, you know, tortillas, lettuce, tomatoes, salsa, guacamole, 
meat, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It's all the same ingredients. They just package it differently and they give it different names, whether it's burrito, taco, tostada, it's all the same ingredients, right? And that's what financial advisors kind of are. They're just offering the same old junk, you know, they might, the same old mutual fund based things, or maybe they're based on some indexes, but they're all really just product peddlers, you know, salesmen in suits. And, and I first learned that, uh, really I came to terms with that, I should say, right. Cause I, I was, I started doing that almost 20 years ago. And then 2005, I started to realize that financial advisors weren't free either, right? They weren't financially free. Their clients weren't financially free. So why was I giving that advice? And, uh, and eventually in 2006, I left. I actually started following people that did become millionaires, not doing that many in their 20s and 30s. And they did it through business, you know, and through uh, real estate and real estate investing and that kind of thing, right? And, and that's the path I started going down. And, and actually, by the time I was 28, I was financially independent the first time, you know, where I was out of the rat race. I didn't have to work, you know, and, and I was essentially, I was kind of working like a four hour work week or less, kind of like Tim Ferriss is talking about, right? Um, before he wrote the book. So um, that's kind of where I ended up, you know, and I've been teaching people since 2007, how to do it despite ups and downs of the economies. And I've had my pains and bruises and everything along the way. But, you know, ultimately, like it's, it's been the thing that's been consistent is that everything you see in the, in the mainstream financial advice is pretty much crap. Um, and doesn't work. And it's been proven not to work. So why not do the opposite, right? And, and get better results. Yeah. And uh, I know that, you know, we'll give all the links to your, to your uh, podcast and also to your website so people can find out more about that. But uh, one thing here in Australia is we're incredibly regulated from a financial planning industry point of view where mm-hmm. I know that a lot of financial planners are, you know, really frightened to go off the the uh, the said path because mm-hmm. of regulations here now. Uh, you know, even yeah. if I were to ask my financial planner about anything other than what I've signed a document for, he'll say, "No, sorry, I can't give you advice for that." And I'm like, <laughs> "What am I paying you for? What what's it like there in the US?" It's very very similar. Uh, very same thing. I mean, uh, you have what they call a securities license, which means you can sell stocks or mutual funds. It's more strict. In fact, you ever ask them like, "Hey, should I buy a real estate property?" They say, "Sorry, I can't tell you that." And besides, it's not good enough. The stock market's better, right? They, they always pull you back to whatever they sell you, right? Uh, even if they're insurance salesmen, like they, it's amazing how they always will recommend insurance, you know? And, and, uh, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's hard because the, the only way to break free is often you have to quit, you know, which is what I did in 2006. I quit and left that industry. I thought I'd never go back again to teaching that. And I never did to the traditional mainstream type of advice. Um, but, you know, I, I did eventually come back around where I'm more of a consultant, where I work more as someone to help as a guide. I don't say, hey, you should buy this investment or do that investment, right? I stay away from those legalities. But I would do say, hey, if you have a goal, if you're trying to create passive income, here are the best options for you, or here's the best ones for growth. Here's some you know, key companies or groups that do this kind of thing, or here's how you can buy your own real estate properties, right? In fact, I even have clients from Australia that are saying, hey, how can I buy properties in the US? Because Buying real estate in Australia is horrible right now. Right? It's like you make 3% a year, you're happy. Where here, I try to make at least 10 to 12% a year cash on cash returns, not including any appreciation, like growth of the property, not including any tax benefits or anything, right? So it's a very different world. So I get a lot of people that say, hey, how can I invest in the States? You know, how do I get, make more money over there? Even if I get taxed on it twice, 
I still make more money than I make trying to do real estate in Australia, right? Yeah, so so true. And that's why we're talking to you after this podcast. And hopefully many, many <laughs> Australian audience will do the same. And and you know, let's get to the real core of it. What are some of the key problems that you help solve for your clients? Yeah, the key problem is really just helping people figure out how they don't have to keep working, right? Because the one thing is whether somebody's an employee of a business or they even own the business, the one thing I've noticed is that people still get caught in a rat race, um, especially business owners. It's amazing how business owners will create a great income, a great standard of living in their business. But what happens if that business gets shut down? What if something random like a, a virus shuts it down, right? What's going to happen? How do you pivot? How do you make sure that income still comes in? And so uh, the really the, ma- the main need is how do I work because I want to, not because I have to. If I'm going to work, I want to work by choice. And, and, and that even means if I'm making millions and millions of dollars in my business, I want to make sure that even if that's gone, I'm still okay, right? Like I've still got money coming in. And so that's really the need is, is that you don't really see financial people telling you how can you create passive streams of income, multiple streams of income, so that even if something gets cut off, you have other things and the other strings on that parachute to keep you afloat, right? Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, look at me. I, I sort of had a great career in, in corporate and did do investments mm-hmm. in the, the right way. And, you know, I have had a financial planner uh, for my whole career. But, um, you know, when it came to the point with my health where, you know, it was uh, life or death in, in, in one situation, yeah. it really makes you realise that yes, you can't have your own business solely relying upon you. And that's why I see a lot of people don't price themselves correctly. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, how are you drawing cash out of this business if you don't price yourself? Yeah. Because, um, you know, you've got to have other streams of income because this is Mm -hmm. the highest risk you can take is having all your eggs in the you basket being you being the CEO of, of everything. So, uh, and a lot of my clients I help with sales is for that very reason, because they're the only person that can sell. And, and talking about sales, you know, for mm-hmm. you, what's one of your hottest sales tips that you know that many of us may have missed? You know, you might've heard a lot, right? I mean, you've probably heard of tips all over the board, but I said the best thing for sales is trying to repel the people you don't want to sell to. You know, like really pre, get people pre-qualified. Um, one of the biggest things I've done, like with my marketing and messaging, which also helps ensure that people won't reach out to me on the sales side, because I do my own sales for right now. Um, like I started doing, picking that back up about five years ago and it's been fun. I actually enjoy it. I actually enjoy the sales conversation quite a bit. Um, but the thing I had to do is I had to make sure people that weren't ready for me didn't reach out. Uh, so a lot of times when I do my podcast, which is my main marketing channel is my podcast and YouTube, right? Uh, the biggest thing I do is I try to tell people exactly who's a perfect fit, you know, like who is it, you know, who, who's it right for, who's it not right for, who's not ready, who is ready. And, uh, and not just, Hey, if you make this many thousands of dollars a year, and if you have this much in cash, I mean, that's good. That's the demographic. Right. But I like to go into the psychographics. Like, what are the psychology? What are they looking for? That's why I talk about work because you want to, not because you have to, because that's the common phrase that people will tell me um, early on before I start to pick up on, oh, those are my ideal people. I should start repeating back what they told me. It's that market speak, right? Repeat back to them the very thing that they told you. And that's the thing. They're like, I want multiple streams of income because who knows what's going to happen with my income or who knows what's going to happen with the next president or the next tax plan. How's that going to affect me? Like, how do I make sure that I can breathe and, and be easy, you know, breathe easily, right? 
So that's, that's really the, the thing I do is on sales side, I, I, I make sure when I'm marketing, I'm trying to tell people who are the perfect people for me. So then those people reach out and the other ones say, Hey, I'm way in the wings. I know I'm not ready for you yet, but I hope to be someday. Right. And, and of course you can always develop programs for them so that you can always have another funnel for them too. Right. Yeah. Look, I think that's so important. And you know, like for you, what, what would be the maximum amount of clients you could take a year? There's a, there's a rough number. Me personally, or me and my team now? Yeah, yeah. I have other take people. The, the whole business. The whole business. We could we could easily take on uh, per year. We could probably take on active clients. Uh, well, as long as we we have the systems in place, easily fifty to sixty at yeah. least. Yeah, um, and, and that's currently. The, yeah, and that's normally the number that you know, especially depends on the average you know sale price, etc. But that's normally the average. But yeah. You're right. I see so many people trying to market to everybody, right? And we all know that mm-hmm. entail. But ultimately, if you only need fifty or sixty clients, so for for you, you know, it's effectively a client a week, right? So therefore, yeah. it can be very targeted. And I think people forget about that churn factor, right? Which, mm-hmm. as you said, because we've all got clients in our portfolio that we know we shouldn't have either taken on, or we <laughs> they have said things yep. that haven't, you know, um, played out. The right way. Yeah. It's so important to, to pre-qualify and uh, and just on a quick tip, how do you do that? I know you said you verbally do that on the podcast, which is great. Mm-hmm. You have a, a sales qualification process that also yeah. adds more weight to that. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I, I'm ensure is that uh, you know I don't I can't call it a guarantee, right? But I'm 100 committed to doubling the results of whatever they pay me in the consulting fees. So so for me, I just have to do math. Right. It's, and that's the nice thing is that I train, train a new sales manager here in the next few months to do kind of do that, take that role off my plate as well. Again, like I used to before, uh, the new perspective now is, Hey, it's not hard to figure out if these people are good because, you know, say for example, like now I, I take on maybe of those 50 or 60, like I only want to take on maybe 10 a year. Right. Um, I'm trying to step out of that role more, but, uh, but if they want to work with me, it's, you know, for me, it's the highest end I'm 15,000. Right, fifteen thousand U.S. dollars to do that. Well, that means they got to make at least thirty thousand over the next twelve months, right? That I know I can see and and to do that. So I do simple math. I figure out like, okay, well, based on the available cash they have, what could they be investing with? You know, uh, what resources do they have? Can we free up money in taxes? Can we do all this and that? And the number has to total up over thirty thousand for me to say I'm willing to work with them. Now, if it's not, like I told somebody the other day, they wanted to work with me, but I said, you know what, I could. But the guy on my team knows the things I know. I still oversee the process anyways. Um, he's half the price. And I think you could make maybe 15000 this year. So don't hire me because then you just break even on your cost. And I want you to make more than what you paid for me. So go use my guy, right? And that's what we did. You know, it's like, great, 15000 that's an easy number we can hit. Um, and by the way, when I do it, it's also, it's probably easier than like it is for business consulting. When I used to do more of that, because business consulting, it just depends on the person. For me, it's like, well, You've got a hundred grand. I know I can take hundred grand and make 10,000 a year, 10%, right? That's the minimum kind of baseline that I always do. So if somebody needs to make 15,000 a year, great. Do you have 150,000 in cash? You know, you need to make 30,000 a year. Do you have 300,000 cash? And it's pretty just, it, for me, it's just easy math, which I think will make it way easier for the salesperson than it was before when I was trying to do business consulting and financial consulting together. And then there was like, so many variables and stuff. And there was just more, how do you feel about it? And you may or may not get the results, right? You want to, but now I can just say mathematically, here's how we'll get the results. No brainer. 
right? And, and it makes the sales conversion much easier too. So you talked about, you know, hiring a, a sales person to help you out after your five years. And, and I'm, I must admit, I'm much the same. I love to sell and always mm-hmm. fight to let it go. And I know a lot of my clients are the same. But, uh, you know, give us some tips on how you're going to go and find this perfect sales manager because I know that that's often, the, you know, the highest risk job that you'll ever recruit in your own business. That's for sure. And I'll tell you, I'm one of the worst people at hiring, which is why I hired somebody to do the hiring and firing for me, right? <laughs> so, but uh, I will tell you this from my past experience of hiring sales managers over the years. Um, the biggest thing I've learned is that there's really two types of salespeople. You know, if you really dumb it down a lot, there's hunters and there's trappers, right? And the way I do my business, the way that the kind of general feel of my business is very, very relaxed, you know, like, for example, Hunter is the person that goes out and kills. Like they're the ones that are picking up the phones or dialing, do all the numbers and everything. Where Trapper is more getting the inbound, right? Versus the outbound. And so uh, for my business, for my, my uh, uh, culture, right? Uh, the, for me, a Trapper is the best fit. You know, let's make sure you have somebody who's more of a Trapper. If I see somebody who's totally gung-ho and they're going to hunt that person down, I don't want that. I don't want a Hunter in my business. Like there's, I respect them and I think they're great, but they're not going to work as well in my environment as they would as a, tra- as a trapper, which is, Hey, you're coming to seek us out. Let's see if we can make a fit, you know, more of a kind of a coaching type of sales process, right? And that's more what I go for. So I think at least if you're looking for that, I mean, that's one of the first things is what kind of salesperson are you looking for? And, and then make sure they fit that criteria versus the other. That's a great tip. And I think, you know, that's why I think, you know, in your case, you've got your, your podcast, and mm-hmm. I know that, you know, for, for me, I've got my podcast, obviously, I've also got a lot of content on LinkedIn. So I am trying to give as much value as possible and therefore more that trapper. So I think that's a, a great analogy and uh, I completely agree. And I think it's, um, you know, people can sense when you get desperate. I think that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing in sales is not to flip into a hunter just because yep. you need the sales. It's always about what the person needs, your client needs. Not about yep. you. So uh, now let's move into to leads. So, you know, what's been the best source of, of leads for you? Best source has really been through my podcast, right? Um, and it's funny. It took me forever to figure that out, you know, because, I mean, I tried leads. I tried buying leads. I've tried, you know, JVs, of course, which can also work great. Um, I, I've tried, you know, everything, you know, database, building email lists and marketing the heck out of email lists. But at the end of the day, it's about, do they like and trust me, you know, and, and the podcast was the best thing. And, and, it, and I didn't really catch on to that till a few years into my podcast when I realized, wait, I've, I've prepared these people. In fact, I'm kind of answering some of the frequently asked questions so that they don't have to ask me those same questions, right? It was saving me time and energy. And, uh, and so by the time they come to me through the podcast, um, it's, it's amazing because uh, I realized it's more of a conversationalist than a charismatic stage presence type person. Like I can do that stuff and I do a decent job on stage, but um, there's something just more fun about using my voice. And, and then when I, my previous sales manager that I had, she said, it's so weird, Chris, when people reach out to us, they say, honestly, I don't even exactly know what Chris does. Cause I wasn't doing a good job marketing back then, obviously, yeah. but I just know that I hear his voice. I trust him, you know? So what is he offering? Like, I, w- I want to be a part of that. And when I realized it was more my voice versus just, you know, me writing a book or me trying to speak on a live stage, but it's more about people trusting, you know, the things I'm saying, 
I started focusing all my energies towards podcasting, right? And that made all the difference. I cut off a lot of the live speaking. Um, that's actually where 2015, my business turned around, right? Because um, I was working 50, 60 hours a week and, and the business was building slowly, but it really didn't start to launch until I, I ended up cutting my hours by two thirds. I ended up working a third of the hours, even less than that, actually, more like a fifth of the hours. Um, but my business more than doubled because I just went to the places where people were coming from, right? That's, that, that's really what it was. So yeah. that for me was like this big epiphany of, oh, that's what I need to do. I just need to do the things that people already like me to do and then get them to know me and understand me. Um, I even purposely try to repel uh, based on my philosophies. If they don't like the philosophies, then good, get out because I don't want to argue with you as a coach, right? So, you know, yeah, let's, you know, the people that say yes, like that's the person I need to have me coach me, perfect. Then I know that you're, you're prepared. You're ready to, to join the family, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to overuse the term, but, you know, with COVID and what's happening around the world, I think, you know, podcasting has been uh, a brilliant, if you're already into podcasting, it's become so easy not to lose that marketing, uh, fund, yeah. you know, the, the front of your business, which is so important. And, and what do you do you now with podcasting? Is it based on, you know, your listeners that are then reaching out to you? As you said, you know, you're then uh, trapping them uh, in a nice way. But, um, yeah, yeah. What's, what's helped you to get more listeners for you? your podcast <laughs> it was a secret my wife taught me uh, she she's been in business as well herself and she said chris you know one thing i've noticed with all your podcasts is you just keep educating and giving great value and then there's no invite there's no call to action yeah. so she's like just start doing a call to action like just tell them to go visit your page or tell them to reach out you know for this or whatever it might be and the miracle is is that it's amazing how numbers increase when i actually do a call to action uh, when i don't Sure, people might still reach out, but they have to take the extra effort to do it versus me saying, hey, if you fit this bill, if you're dealing with this, you need to reach out, like reach out to us. Here's how you contact us, right? And just doing that, I mean, even if it's just a little, little teeny pitch at the end, right? And I don't do that in every episode, um, some, especially when I have a guest, right? I usually don't do that, but half my episodes are just me. So if there is something there, great, then I'm going to challenge them. You know, it's kind of that you know, jab, 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 right hook type thing. You know, it's really like, yeah, deliver value, but make sure you still call to act. Yeah, that's great. And that definitely helps with conversion. And and I think that's across the board. Like, you know, I look at, you know, how many, um, you know, offers I actually put out in the business. And I often, you know, look at the ratio, like how many offers are you putting out on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis? And right. you know, I know myself, I'm not putting enough, enough offers out, especially to your email list, right? That's the most powerful thing you own. And like, how often are you doing? Now, you'll always yeah. have your style, which is similar to mine, Chris. You know, we're, we're good people. We, we really want to help and we're not mm -hmm. pushy, right? So your style will come across, but you still got to offer them something. So I think that's, right. that's uh, really important. And, you know, getting them from, you know, a lead into a, a sale, you know, for many of us, mm -hmm. that can be tricky. What's, what's your process of, you know, taking them to that next step? Pass the invite, you know, when they actually do reach out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, really, it's just book a time to get on our calendar and let's talk, right? And now I, I, the, I'll tell you the, the most brilliant thing, I know this is probably simple for most people listening here, but the most brilliant tool I've been able to use was Calendly, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Just have a calendaring system uh, and then letting them put in the information that I want to have, which also helps pre-qualify, correct? Um, so I can have them put in a lot of that information ahead of time, know what they want. I still want to ask and get their own take on it too, even though I know the answer to the question, but 
for me, it's just a matter of finding out where they are and what they want and where they're going. And am I the guy to get them there? And if I'm not, I'll tell them, you know, if, if, uh, if I, if, if I am the guy, then I'll tell them as well. Right. I'll tell them like, Hey, you're a perfect fit. This is a no brainer. You know, if, if it's not a no brainer, I'll tell them, you know, and say, Hey, it's up to you. I'm like, you can hire me. You may not, you know, but that's kind of how the conversation will go. And it depending on the type of conversation anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes is typically what I try to try to do to get enough context, enough information, especially with their financial situation, just to really understand, am I the guy that can actually deliver the value and the promises that I'm going to get offer and, and then fill in any gaps for them in the meantime. Yeah. I think that's uh, really powerful. And we look, we use book like a boss, but it doesn't matter. Callum leads great as well. And you can ask those questions. And yeah. you know, the, the process that we do now is when, you know, people answer the questions and they're not right fit, well, then don't go ahead with the meeting, right? Everyone's right. valuable. So you talked about that qualification. I think mm-hmm. that, that, you know, using a scheduling tool can really help with that qualification. Don't be scared to use video in it as well. You know, you can use yeah. video in there so you can do a lot of the pre-work and a lot of the things that you would do in a 45-minute meeting, you can reduce based on using tools like that. So that's brilliant. And the last one is, you know, in this section before we go to the rapid fire, is, mm-hmm. you know, who supports you in sales the most? Right now it's my CMO, my chief marketing officer, right? I mean, that, uh, man, that, that's a hire I just did in recent, you know, yeah. very recently this year. And, uh, I mean, I got to the point where, because, again, I'm semi-retired. I don't need to coach, right? I have enough passive income coming in from my investments and things that I can just say, forget it you know, and not coach. But, um, I knew I got this point of, do I want to create um, an impact in this world or not? You know, like, do I want to stay small or do I want to scale bigger and and impact more people's lives? And so I needed that. And so I hired that chief marketing officer slash almost COO, you know, she's almost a chief operating officer a little bit as well, where she's doing the hiring and firing a little bit. Um, and some of the management aspects, but for the most part, she's the one that's holding the feet to the fire for the marketing people we've hired for, you know, even promoting the podcast or editing. It's like, Hey, are we doing it? You know, how are we doing and tracking the sales numbers, you know, where are the leads coming from and even doing social media and getting that going. So all those things that I'm just not good at, right. Or I just, even if I could be good at it, I just don't care to be, I don't care to put that much energy into trying to figure out how to do TikTok. You know, like it's so much better for her to say, here's how we can get some TikTok out there. And you know, she just told me, she's like, Hey, in the last week we got like 3000 new followers just at, right when we launched it, boom, we got one video that had, Oh no, sorry. 3000, uh, watch, you know, watches on the video. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't even get that on Facebook, you know, and, and it, with anything I've posted on there for getting views and things like that. So yeah, it's just nice to have that higher and, and she's been amazing. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think, you know, time is our most valuable asset. And I think if you have a great mm-hmm resource like that then you get more time to to be the front of the business like you said and also do the sales and uh you know i, I do know that um tiktok that they're, they're great numbers still with linkedin posting mm-hmm. so you know this episode that we put out i should get between 20 to thirty thousand views per post so you know linkedin is yeah. a great way of also getting a lot of exposure on your podcast so before we go into the rapid fire section let me ask you a simple question you listening now do you have the sales system to get an additional million dollars in revenue and if you're pausing and you're thinking i'm not quite sure we've got Mm -hmm. a pulse check that can really help you do that so go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse there's nine 
essential questions you can answer in three minutes and then post that. There will be some videos based on your results and also the chance to have a call with me where I'll give you a, a plan and fill the gaps to get you to that next million. And it's not a sales call. So it's um, like Chris said, I'm not a hunter. I'm just going to give you some value and then you'll make the decision whether it's right for you. So that's paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse. So the last section is the rapid fire section. So what we want is just some, I call it a sip of beer, Chris, Ben and Ozzy, instead of uh, the whole glass. But the first one is what are some daily sales habits that help you be successful? Yeah, daily sales habits is is just tracking, you know, like really putting the emphasis on doing that. I have weekly tracking. Uh, we track monthly sales, of course, but just tracking those key numbers to make sure you're doing that. I've just just said by having the focus on it, I'll do it. So that's the key thing is just tracking, you know. And what tech is essential for you to accelerate your sales? Google Doc. <laughs> I mean, uh, it can be as simple as a spreadsheet, right? Um, I mean, that helps, uh, but that, that's mainly it is that's using between the calendar and Google Docs, just tracking what do we have in sales and, and uh, taking it from there. Great. What's the best source for you to help you get more sales? What's a resource that you um, uh, rely on? You know, the biggest, the biggest one obviously is lead generation, right? Like when you already kind of have your, your closing ratios figured out and you already got that dialed in, I mean, you can increase closing ratios, which is great. Um, but then, of course, increasing lead flow helps too. So, you know, obviously, if I want to improve my my sales process, is improving leads, but it's got to be qualified leads. It can't just be any Joe Schmo off the street, which just wastes our time. It's got to be the right people. Yeah, and is there anyone in particular, any podcasts or any resource that you follow to help you with leads? You know, not well. Yeah, actually, uh, I would say on the social media front, uh, a guy that I've been following and watching a lot lately is Ryan Pineda. Um, he, he actually used to be a professional baseball player here in the United States and then turned into a real estate investor. But that guy, man, he has built his TikTok and his Instagram, like none other. And heck, even if he didn't do sales, the fact is he's making six figures, you know, a year or a month, even <laughs> six figures a month, just from his, uh, traffic, you know, which just blows my mind. So, um, that's that right there is just like, that puts me in awe. You know, I always have to watch to see like, what are they doing? Right. Great. And uh, how do you give back? You know, the best way I, I feel like I give back, besides trying to help people to be more financially successful than what I ever earn in return, right? Um, every once in a while when I'm doing a sales call, I, I tithe, you know, like like a tithing, you know, like many people will tithe to their churches, right? Well, I'll even tithe my time. You know, I'll get somebody who maybe is not qualified, but um, but I just feel like this impression is like, you know what, I feel like I need to help you. Even if it's like a quick half hour, but let's do this. And I just did that uh, two weeks ago with somebody and, and it was amazing. Like we found 750 bucks a month and she's like, I'm putting a rave review on your, your, your money ripples, Facebook page. Cause that's just awesome. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, she only needs 1500 a month to quit her second job so she can launch her business. Right. And that was the thing. I was like, you're not ready for me, but do these three things and I'll free up 750 a month. That's giving you halfway to your 1500 a month target. That's all you have to really make is seven fifty a month in your business, and you can quit your uh, your shipping job. So that's you know thirty hours a week saved right there. Great. Well, look, I know you've given so much value, but if we're going to take one action from mm. today to ten x our sales, what action would that be? You know, I would do what I did. And it says I stopped listening to just the logical gurus as much, 
And I started listening to myself, right? Uh, listening to your intuition, you know, following your gut. Uh, that has been so much better for me because I remember 2016, I was told to, to do 12 events that year. I just done six in 2015 and burned out. So I did the opposite. Instead of doing even the same six, I did three. I backed off, but I did it where I try to track the right people. Just I'd say yes only to the right opportunities. And I'll tell you, like my, my hours cut down drastically. I made a lot more money, a lot more profit because I was spending less money on things that were wastes. And I was making better right decisions a higher percentage of the time. So I would just say, follow your gut. Like even if it doesn't make logical sense, if something tells you this is the right way, follow it. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, uh, as I said, you've shared so much wisdom here, but you can find out more at the Chris Miles Money Show. And also, I know you've got a, a free uh, ebook on your website mm -hmm. as well. So uh, that's Beyond Rice and Beans, Seven mm -hmm. Secrets to Free Up Cash Today. I want to make sure I got that right, but that is free and that yep. is on your key website and we'll have all the links to everything that chris has mentioned in the show notes but chris it's been an absolute joy having you on the show today and uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom it's been such an honor paul thank you i really loved that interview with chris i, I really in particular loved his analogy of hunters versus trappers and i think as i said if you're doing a lot of content and if you want some help with your LinkedIn, certainly reach out. But if you're doing a lot of great content, then you can be more of a trapper and, and don't always listen to those logical experts, as Chris said, that go down a certain path. So um, that was sort of the key takeout. I'd love to hear what you heard or what you learned from this show. So please tell me what action you've taken from Chris and, you know, share that action with me or share it on social. So Chris gets the benefit of that as well, and then let me know. There's obviously the transcription and all the links will be in the show notes. And why don't you tell one, 10 or even 100 of your friends, if you're lucky enough to have 100 friends, you know, what you learn about the show because there's nothing worse than keeping secrets from your friends. They will love you for sharing this with them and they can become the sales hero. So please share this with them today. If you want to make your next million, or most importantly, you want to know the questions to make your next million in sales, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse. Please check out our solo shows where I give, you know, eight to 10 minutes of incredible sales value each podcast. And finally, please take action to accelerate your sales today. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.